Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 12, A Rudely Rescheduled Conference I'm fine, dear, Olick muttered. He looked down to find his hand had turned black, charred like a piece of meat left too long on a grill. He concealed it in his trouser pocket and continued to trail Victoria down the glorious emerald field, unable to keep up. An enormous white canopy was ahead of them, and beautiful orchestral music rippled through the rolling hills. There were hundreds of smiling faces. Come on, Olek, we're going to miss the whole thing. I'm right behind you. His legs were leaden poles. The very act of lifting them was becoming impossible. Others were beckoning him on now. Groups of guests in formal attire turned back with amused faces as he approached. When they locked eyes with him, their smiles faded. Come on, Olek, hurry. Speaking required great effort. I'm coming, he wheezed. He withdrew his hand from his pocket and pulled up his sleeve. The blackness had spread upwards now. Branch-like streams of corruption encircled his forearm. Olek, are you all right? Someone unfamiliar asked him. I'm fine, he hid his arm behind his back. Ivan and his lovely new wife were standing at an altar in the distance. None of his steps brought him any closer to them. It was as if the patch of grass beneath him was a treadmill. The music, once resounding and fluid, was starting to falter. Olek, come on, his wife yelled back at him. You're going to miss it. She was hopelessly far away now, too. He took another feeble step and stumbled. He was choking now, gasping for breath. The feeling was reminiscent of walking at an incredible altitude. Dad, Ivan shouted back. What's wrong with you? Nothing, I'm fine. Wedding bells were chiming. Olek fell onto his hands and knees. He looked down. Both his hands were black now, decaying like rotten pork. The brilliant green all around him suddenly darkened. The music stopped. Everything was disappearing. Oleg woke up, startled and panting for air. A film of cold sweat covered his forehead and his eyes were watery with tears. The bed beside him was empty. It took him a few seconds to understand why. Victoria had left yesterday afternoon for a conference in New York. He let out a long exhale, wide awake now but far from rested. He didn't know how many more nightmares like this he could handle. They were becoming more frequent now, more intense. Once downstairs he poured himself a glass of water. As always, he'd left his phone to charge on the kitchen counter overnight. He opened it to see two new messages, the most recent one from Victoria. She'd been irked to find that the conference she was attending had been brought forward a day. The other was from his friend Sam. Still on for coffee and chess at eleven, it said. You bet, he slowly typed in reply. Meet you there. She'd only hinted at coming to Scotland three days ago, and now she was here. Her visits were always a surprise. He imagined that she had about as much prior notice about them as he did. He delighted in her spontaneity. Darting around the globe at the drop of a hat was an exciting notion to him. He'd done a fair bit of it himself in his younger years. 
These days, he was far less of a free spirit. In fact, his recent trip to Barbados was his first journey abroad this year. The truth was that he loved Scotland. Even the cold weather months did not trouble him. He tried to convince his son to have his wedding here at a quaint church in the Highlands. The Caribbean apparently had a special kind of significance to Ivan and his fiancée, however. So Oleg did not put up too much resistance to the idea. It was their big day after all. The old man turned on the radio and read the newspaper for an hour or so at the breakfast table. Once he'd finished the day's crossword, he went about making himself a hearty fry-up. Four sausages, six strips of bacon and three eggs all fried in butter with baked beans and a thick wedge of toast. The days of depriving himself for health reasons were behind him now. He washed it all down with a glass of freshly pressed orange juice and headed back upstairs for a shower. After brushing his teeth and shaving, he strolled into the adjoining bedroom, humming an old tune he couldn't remember the name of. He buttoned up a white dress shirt and pulled on a pair of smart navy blue trousers with royal blue suspenders before searching his wardrobe for his favourite corduroy blazer. Then he returned to the bathroom to part and comb his hair in the mirror. When did you get so damned old? he asked his reflection. His hair, once lustrous and black, was now thin and almost exclusively white. After slapping on some aftershave, he pulled at his cheeks, noticing how slack the skin was as he released it. His once chiselled jaw now reminded him of a melted candle. When he slipped on his watch, he noticed that it was nearly 10am. Better get a move on, he decided. Olek returned to the kitchen to quickly polish a pair of brown brogues. Then he collected a resplendent wooden box from a shelf in the living room. With this safely tucked under his arm, he departed in the Range Rover. As always, he'd given himself plenty of time. He hummed along to the classical music on the radio and drove at least ten miles an hour below the speed limit. Three cars overtook him as he trundled down a long country road. All in such a mad rush, he muttered to himself as the third one passed by. After parking up near the entrance of the tea room, he unfastened the passenger seatbelt and gathered his treasured black chest. The cafe door gave a sprightly ring as he opened it. Apart from two elderly ladies sat in the corner, the place was empty. Morning, Olek, said the short, plump woman behind the counter. Good morning, Heather, he said. Thankfully, he'd remembered her name. This had never been his strong suit. What can I get you? Well... I'll have a strong black coffee and... He racked his brain to recall how Sam took hers. A white Americano with them. Can I have a few sachets of sugar, please? Of course. Take a seat. I'll bring them over. Sam entered precisely on time. A minute or so before the drinks were brought over. He stood up to greet her, kissing her on the cheek. She looked exactly how he remembered her. Full lips, flawless light brown skin and hazel eyes with thick black lashes. Her dark glossy hair flowed just beyond a pair of slender shoulders. You look radiant as ever, my dear, he said with a slightly mischievous grin. And you're as charming as ever, she replied. That's a handsome jacket. Thank you. Olick nodded at her coffee. Couldn't for the life of me remember how many sugars you have. Oh, that changes as often as my travel plans, she said with a smile. I'm presently cutting them out entirely. Olek nodded. 
Speaking of travel, what brings you to my neck of the woods? You know me, no real occasion, just visiting some splendid people such as yourself. These days I'm physically incapable of hacking this climate for long though. Yes, Olick chuckled. I remember you in your huge coat when we watched the Royal Philharmonic in that outdoor show. Hey, that was a particularly windy evening. Hmm, everyone else seemed quite comfortable in shorts and a t-shirt. Sam rolled her eyes playfully, then gestured at the black box. Are we playing, or what? Untimed or standard, I think I have an application in my... Untimed, Sam interjected with a wry smile. I know you're not as sharp as you used to be. Ah, those virtual games have given you some false confidence, I see. I didn't grow up with computers like your generation. You'll be reminded how formidable I am in the flesh. Oleg knew his bravado was an overcompensation. To say he was a decent player would be an absurd understatement. He'd been a junior European champion at 13, achieved grandmaster status soon after, and reached the finals at the championships in Kiev on multiple occasions in the 60s and 70s. But somehow, this neophyte had not lost a game to him since he'd taught it to play over a decade ago. He assumed the first few times were a fluke, now he'd settled on the idea that she was an unquestionable phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, move it along. Olek obliged. He opened the chequered leather box and removed the pieces from inside. The outer casing separated from the internal box and doubled up as the board. The pieces were a mixture of marble and stunning obsidian. He was somewhat ashamed to admit that this set was only the second favourite in his possession his most prized one was chiefly composed of ivory. He hadn't told Sam about this one. He'd not told many people. Considering her liberalism, he worried his owning such a thing would have caused offence. He'd bought the set quite legally from a market two-thirds of a lifetime ago, although even at the time he recognised the ethical implications. Age before beauty, he said, as he claimed white, aware he needed every possible advantage. Sorry I didn't respond to your most recent letter, she said as she awaited his first move. When I decided on making the trip, I thought I might as well hold out and respond in person. Oh, of course, save the paper, he said as he moved a pawn, almost at random. He'd learned that opening gambits were virtually pointless. She seemed to know them all by heart. Well, with reference to the wedding, I'm still not certain if I can attend. It'd be great to see Victoria and Ivan again, but my diary seems to be becoming fuller by the day. I'll try and move some things around. Don't save me a seat at the ceremony or the dinner. Perhaps I'll be able to make the reception. She moved her first piece in a fraction of the time it had taken Oleg. Okay then, I know better than to ask about these top secret endeavours of yours. I hope you can at least make the reception. Who knows how many more opportunities you'll have to see my ugly mug. Sam frowned. Why do you say that? Oleg's heart quickened. Oh, well, God knows I'm not getting any younger. Nonsense, I see no signs of you slowing down just yet. Oleg let out a forced laugh. Well, you didn't see how long it took me to put on my socks this morning. Sam returned an unconvincing titter of her own as the old man made his next move. How were Ivan and Victoria anyway? Did you say she was in New York for work at the moment? 
They're both doing well, thank you. And yes, I keep telling her to take early retirement, but she seems to love her job. Apparently, far more than I ever did, as you well remember. Glad to hear it. Does she still work in cryptography? Loosely, yes, but she's branching further into AI these days. That's what the conference is about, actually. Ah, I've heard about this. Is that the one Edgar Lombard is hosting? Yes, Ehrlich scowled. Can you imagine? The arrogant swine brought the whole thing forward a day early with practically zero notice. It was meant to be tomorrow. Now it's all happening as we speak. Victoria only landed in the early hours. I bet she's hardly slept. Oh dear, what's his reason for doing that? Didn't even give one. These billionaire types think the world revolves around them. They change their minds with impunity and expect everyone else to follow suit. I hear he's quite a bit of a ladies' man. I'll bet he's off gallivanting. I thought he was married. Like that ever stops them. Hmm, was all Sam offered in reply. Over the years, Olick had found that she was immune to gossip of any kind, even surrounding public figures. So tell me more about these nightmares of yours. I noticed you dodged the question in your last letter. No, no dodging. I just thought there were more interesting things to discuss. Are they still disrupting your sleep? Oleg's voice suddenly went high. No, not really. Come on now, I know when you're hiding something. At this he drew his attention away from the board to lock eyes with her. She did always seem to know these things. He was not a religious or even mildly spiritual person. He'd abandoned Catholicism long before he'd left the Ukraine as a young man. His friends seemed to sometimes exhibit a kind of spooky omniscience, however, a kind of perception he'd found hard to rationalise. Oh, really, Sam, they're just dreams. Nothing worth bothering yourself with. And yet they were significant enough to mention in a letter. I was just irritated at not getting a good night's rest, that's all. What happens in these dreams? You were extremely vague. Oleg sighed before moving a rook into an attacking position. I don't think it's anything especially meaningful. You wouldn't be able to garner anything significant from them. Try me. Sam moved her opposing bishop safely out of harm's way. Oh, fine. The running theme seems to be that I'm rotting away. Hmm. He could see the cogs turning in Sam's head. Listen. Don't you try any of that psychoanalysis stuff on me. I just want to have a pleasant catch-up and a cutthroat game of chess. Is anyone else in these dreams? Yes, Victoria and Ivan are usually there, sometimes close friends as well. How do they react to you rotting away like that? Oh, I don't know. I'm usually trying to hide it from them. Oleg bit his lip. He'd said too much. I see. No, no more. It's just a fear of getting old, that's all. I'm in my seventies now. I expect most people my age have these kinds of dreams. Can we just drop it? Very well. Thankfully, his friend did appear to drop the subject. They ordered another round of coffees and the game continued for a further half an hour or so before Sam delivered the inevitable checkmate, nonchalant as ever. How the bloody hell did you get so good at this? Oleg yelled, reverting to his native accent as often happened when he was annoyed or drunk. Sam laughed and his sullen expression eased. I'm being serious, he said, smiling but somewhat breathless. 
the only opponents I've played as technically flawless as you are computers. What can I say? Sam replied. I'm just rather good at seeing the bigger picture. You're a bloody genius is what you are. He shook his head exasperated. Oh well, good game. He extended his hand and she gently shook it. There was a momentary silence while Olik controlled his breathing. So where to next for you, he said, leaning back in his seat, noticeably calmer now. Well, my friends in Glasgow are expecting me at nine. I thought I'd check out Loch Lomond on the way over. The pair continued chatting for a while longer. They each ordered a final coffee, both opting for decaffeinated this time. In the end, it was Alexander who suggested that they call it a day, conscious that she didn't have a lot of time. When they said their goodbyes, Sam lightly kept hold of his wrist and caught his gaze. I understand you don't want to tell them, she said quietly, almost like a whisper. But they have a right to know. Olick froze, he felt his heart skip a beat. What are you talking about? You know, she said gravely. He waved her goodbye as she left the car park in her modest rental and remained seated in his Range Rover for a few minutes in silence, processing what she'd said to him. Later that evening, just as he was thinking of turning in, he heard the phone ring. Olick frowned as he glanced at the clock on the living room wall. It faded when he realised it was Victoria and remembered she was five hours behind him. I don't understand how he can just change the date of the convention like that, Olick said. He can do it because he's Edgar Lombard. He can do whatever he wants. Must be nice. What are your plans now? Well, when I thought the conference was tomorrow evening, I'd expected to go out for a couple of drinks with some of the other delegates afterwards. Oh, and what did happen? Well, I think most people decided to go home tonight instead. So I had an iced tea at the venue and was back in my room for five. So what will you be doing with this unprecedented free time? Well, I suppose I could transcribe all of my notes for the day. I was planning to do it on my journey home, but it'll probably be much better in the comfort of my room rather than all boxed in on the plane. Alexander knew his wife well enough to hear the disappointment in her voice. She'd been excited about the conference for weeks. The topic was of great interest to her and she'd been thrilled to spend some time in one of the most lively cosmopolitan cities in the world. He could tell she'd envisaged some level of socialising. Ah, oh, well your flight isn't until late tomorrow night, correct? Yeah. So it sounds like it's time to let your hair down. Oh no, I don't think so. I should probably just use the gym and have another early night. Why? You've always wanted to spend time in New York. With you, my love, she replied with insistence. I could actually check if I can get an earlier flight back myself. Don't be silly. You're there now. Make the most of it. Victoria was a rare kind, one of the most selfless people he'd ever known. But this was not always a positive attribute as it meant she refused to do almost anything for her own benefit. Over the years, Olick had learned a way around this. When he tried to make her take some time out for herself, he would spin it in a way that would sound altruistic, like it was for someone else's benefit. Actually, dear, now that you have the time, can I ask a favour of you? Really? What is it? I want one of the signature Collins glasses from Javier's. Javier's? 
Why do... Wait, I've wanted to go there for years to see the house band and try their famous mimosa. Oh, really? What a coincidence. Yes, it's right near your hotel. I went there a couple of times when I was last in New York. They have the most splendid cut crystal glasses I've ever seen. Please get me one. And while you're there, you might as well try that drink and check out that band. Hmm, coincidence indeed, Victoria said flatly. I don't think that's a good idea. Olick put his foot down. As a youth, I adored Javier's. It's plagued me for years that I never took home one of those glasses. Please do this for me. It will bring such joy to a poor, nostalgic old man's heart. It's plagued you for years? Then why am I only just hearing about it? Please just humour me. Alexander decided to lay it on thick. I beg you, who knows if the opportunity will ever present itself again. All right, all right. Thank you. You also need to promise that you'll have more than one drink. Fine. Olick decided he was on a roll. And stay for a few songs. I want to hear about that band. If you'd like to learn more about J.W. Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode. Bye.